whoever you are, wherever you were born, whatever your life situation, you were created in the image of God. You are His image bearer. We call that the Imago Dei. You have God's image on you. And Jesus was saying, you are in God's image. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Titus chapter 3, verse 1, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be people, excuse me, to slander no one. They didn't have this back then, but had they have it, 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 they may have put in the verse, to slander no one, in parentheses, whether with your mouth or on Facebook, to be peaceable and considerate and always to be gentle toward everyone. First Peter 2, those were Paul, this is now Peter. Same kind of thing, verse 13. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish for those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Just think about that. When we honor authority, God's word says that we help further the things that are right. I was going to say, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. What's the purpose of this? Why does God do this? For the application of Romans 12, I, I, I think we can see in Romans 13, he's applying some of those principles we've learned. Remember in Romans 12, when it, it says, remember, don't repay evil for evil, for vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. One of the things we know is that God has established government so that it may be the source to deal with that which is bad. Remember in Romans 12 when it says we need to do whatever thing is within us to live at peace with all people? One of the reasons God has established government is so that there can be peace in the world. I, I think Paul also wrote these things because he knew that Caesar would see these. If you think about from the Roman standpoint, the very reason Jesus was crucified is because of a fear, from the Roman standpoint, a fear that his followers would try to take over the government. The Jews didn't like Jesus, so from their standpoint, he was being crucified because he was claiming to be king, but among those Jews were some who were called Zionist, zealots. One of the followers of Jesus was even a zealot, Simon the Zealot. And they had an undisputed desire to try to take over the government. So Paul's writing this to, to help even the Caesar understand that's not what it means to be a Christ follower. Because we are citizens first and foremost of another kingdom. I, I want to just quickly give you three things about this passage of scripture and illustrate it as we go. Uh, here they are. Uh, number one, authority, even governmental authority is a part of God's design. I want you to see that. Number two, obedience to authority is one of God's demands. It's not optional. And number three, as citizens of God's kingdom, how we respond to authority, it really should be different. So let's deal with that first one. Authority, even governmental authority, is a part of God's design. 
So look again at verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority that which God has, but which, that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. That's a tough one for me. That's a tough one for me today in our country. It's a tough one for me as a student of history. But I don't think it's... A, it, it's near as tough for some of us as for some of my international friends who are part of our family that have come from countries that literally are persecuting Christians by taking their lives even today. It seems like in our country, people fall into one of two categories. Some are kind of undisputed patriots and, and what, what the media might even try to call a Christian nationalist today, that their, their focus, their primary energy and effort in life is God bless America. And, and they, they kind of look as if America is supreme and we can do no wrong. The other group seems to just live with an air of skepticism. So the way that works is if, if the people that I like and agree with me are in power, if they're the ones that have been elected, woohoo, God bless America. But if the other side gets in power and is elected, it's like, bless God, we got to get this thing back. And it's easy on either of these extremes, like most things in life, it's easy on the extremes to get out of balance and to get out of the will of God and to do things differently than this passage teaches. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. You know, as always, you've got to decide whether or not you believe Scripture. And so, again, this is a zone back in moment because we're kind of digging a little deep here. But this is something everybody's got to decide. Whether or not you believe that the Scripture... The Bible is God's word. But if you believe scripture, um, then there's really only one logical response. You have to make decisions in your life and live according to the things that scripture says. And, and so how do you do that in this passage? Because here we believe the scriptures are true. We believe everything in this book is the word of God and is applicable to our lives. So why would God say this? Why would he say that government is God's representative? That's what it says in verse 4. The one in authority is God's servant for the good. He gives us government's job description. So if you wanted to just write, write this down, there, there are two things that government should do. Number one, according to this passage, government should promote what is good. According to God's design, that's part of the plan for order. And the Bible says that God is a God of order, so government should be promoting what is good. And then secondly, government should be punishing what is bad. 
And what that does is that kind of reminds us of two big theological principles that guide how we live our life and really are the things upon which every government is founded. Is the idea, number one, that God is sovereign, that, that he is the ultimate. So he's the reason we know there's a right and there's a wrong. He's the standard bearer. But secondly, it reminds us that man is sinful. It's that passage from Romans 3.23 that we've all sinned, that every one of us, even the best of us, are going to fall short of God's design. On our own, we'll mess things up. So, so what do we do when government doesn't seem to be promoting good or it doesn't seem to be protecting us from evil? And I have to tell you, you can struggle with this whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. I, I mean, I can step aside for a second and go, man, I really liked a lot of President Trump's policies Wow, I was really put off by some of his personal choices in his personal life. When I was a young man, I attended something called Boys Nation, and I was very involved in government and really sat in the Rose Garden with President Reagan. But the guy I sat by was a guy named Bo Biden. He was with me at Boys Nation, and so I got to know him and hear about his family from him. And back in those days, here's... What I looked at, it it seemed like Joe Biden was a good man. Man, as as our president, I really, really strongly disagree with a lot of his policies. It seems like sometimes he's promoting things that God's word causes evil. So what do we do? How how do we balance this? Could, Could Paul who wrote these words, could he have imagined that there might one day be a bad government setting? Go ahead and laugh. Can you just make yourself laugh? Because if you knew what I was about to tell you, Ray, that would be funny. Let me just tell you who was the governmental leader around the time of the Apostle Paul's writing these words. It was a Caesar named Caligula. Most would say he's unfit to keep a pet, even to much so to uh, run an empire. So let me just give you some of his greatest accomplishments. He had his mother and his brother killed to make sure they didn't ever challenge the right of his throne. He openly committed incest with not one, but three of his sisters. He frequently would cross-dress and go out in public. He decided that his favorite horse, Incititus, should be a senator. And so he installed him as a senator. You heard that right, his horse. I don't even know how a horse could vote. Do you? All in favor, say aye. Aye. Those opposed? (laughs) You got it. But he liked his horse so much, you know what he did? He promoted him to (laughs) pro-council. Once he got so mad at the weather, he declared war on Neptune, the Roman god of the sea. And he ordered soldiers from the Roman army to whip the waves and bring home seashells like plunder from his domain. He had the heads of statues of deity removed and replaced them with a bust of his own. Often during the gladiatorial games, which were cruel enough, he would take random people from the crowds and throw them into the arena to be attacked by wild animals just to entertain himself. After this, you had Claudius. It may have seemed a little less crazy, but was just as cruel. 
And then he hands the throne over to Nero. By the way, when I say he handed the throne over to Nero, what I mean to say is that Nero's mom killed Claudius in his sleep so that Nero could replace him. Nero turns out to be one of the cruelest and most sadistic leaders of all. He intentionally, or at least it's believed so, set fire to Rome. And then as Rome burned, he sat on his balcony and played the harp as if it was a poetic moment. And then he blamed Christians for the fire. And he used that as part of his reasoning to host a garden party where every few feet he would put Christians on poles and light them on fire to light the party. It was in this setting that Paul says, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority. God's plan does not always work out for our comfort, but he's always working for our good. Isn't that what we learned? Romans 8, 28. For we know that God works together for the good of those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. It doesn't say it's going to be comfortable. You may hear that on TV or read that in some supposedly Christian books, but it's not biblical. God doesn't say you're always going to prosper. Sometimes he says you're going to experience pain, but he's always working for your good. So you have to trust him. But this passage says we also have to obey him. Obedience to authority is one of God's demands. So sometimes, as my little girl says, we have to suck it up, buttercup. And we have to do the right thing. It's always right to do right. You have to fulfill our obligations, is what it says in verse 7. What are those obligations? We owe the authorities something. Look at, again, verse 5. Therefore, it's necessary to submit to authorities not only because of possible punishment, but as a matter of conscience, because of who we are, because of what we believe we're supposed to behave in a certain way. Isn't that what we've said the whole second part of Romans is about? Because of what we believe, this is how we behave. Why do most people say they don't want to come to church? You Christ followers don't behave like you say you believe. This is part of that. So what do we do? First, we submit to those in authority. And we do this as much out of conviction and conscience as we do just because they command it. Are there exceptions to this? Sure there are. And we see some of those biblically. We see Daniel and his friends, and they were know what it's like to be thrown into lion's dens. We know what it's like for them to suffer punishment. We know the apostles because sometimes they did things that the government said they shouldn't do, were thrown into prison, and ultimately most of them were martyred for their faith. So there are times we may need to take a stand. I'll give you some examples. If a doctor was ever commanded that they had to break what they believed was the Hippocratic Oath and, for example, commit an abortion, taking a life, I think they could say, no, I'm not going to do that. If your boss at work says, we need you to cut this corner or kind of hide this true reality or shade these facts just so that the bottom line will be better, we'll get a better outcome, then, then I think, no, you should not do what they say. If as a pastor I were ever 
commanded by the government that I had to marry those who were from a homosexual lifestyle, I, I would, by God's grace, say, no, I'm not going to do that. If we were ever threatened under the penalty of law that we couldn't proclaim the good news of Christ, I would pray that all of us would say, no, bring it on. Even if it meant what we experienced several years ago when those Egyptian Coptic Christians knelt on a beach and were beheaded simply because of the profession of their faith in Christ. So we submit to those in authority. But secondly, we act responsibly. I love that word responsibility because it's easy to understand. You know what it means? If it confuses you because it's a big word, you might write this down. Responsibility simply means that I have the ability to respond. It's within my capacity to get this thing right. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the ability to respond in a way that brings honor to him. Why? Because he is living in you. The spirit of God is in you. You can do this by his grace. Pay what you owe. Do what's right. But then he says we give honor. This is um, my opportunity just to remind you as I search the scripture. You never see Paul or Peter saying of any of these emperors that I just mentioned. Not my emperor. Not my Caesar. It's not in scripture. They honored them, and so should we. So sometimes there's a moment you just want to make things practical. So I don't know who's here and who will be on each of our campuses, but I wonder if we have any of these groups, if we have any who are present or retired or former military, if we have any law enforcement officials, if we have any first responders, any elected officials, anybody that works for the government, would you just stand right now and let us take a minute and honor you for what you're doing? Thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service all across this room, and I'm confident on each of our campuses. It's not that hard. That's what God calls us to do. Why? Because we're citizens of two kingdoms. That's what you've got to remember. This world is not your home. And that's why really my favorite part of this message and the one that ties it back to Jesus is the reality that as citizens of God's kingdom, how we respond to authority, just like how we respond to anything else, should be different. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 3. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Scripture makes it clear that ultimately God's got this. We were in New York this week, and I had a whole day where I spent just some personal time with my little girl, and we were walking around, and at some point she said, Dad, what's that song that goes like, da 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 I said, it's, he's got the whole world in his hands. And so she said, yeah. And so then we sang it together. He's got the whole world in his hands. Sing it. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. That's right. And maybe you just need to be reminded of that. 
at the end of the day, either God is sovereign and he's in control or he's not. I choose to believe that he is. And, and so these things that kind of wear us out, man, we voice the truth. We stand up with concern. But at the end of the day, we trust God and we do it with grace and with honor, respecting those that we have the obligation to serve. Whether that's a boss we don't like, whether that's a parent that's not living for Christ, or whether that's a president or other leader that you may have concerns about. I know this. If in your life you're professing to be a follower of Christ, but your conversation or, or your social media or just who you are in your little corner of the world talks more about these earthly things than you do your spiritual life, then you've got things out of order. This passage is interesting because as I've read already, Paul uses it a couple different times. Not just here in Romans 13, but you know where he says, you know, if you, if you owe them money, give them money. If you owe taxes, give them taxes. If you do this, do that. If you, if you, there's another passage that sounds like that. I wonder where he got it from. Do you know? Let me show you. Jesus, they were always trying to trick Jesus. They were always trying to trick Jesus. So the religious leaders came to him one day and they said, we know how to trick him. Uh, he says he's king of the, of the Jews. So let's, let's ask him, should we pay taxes? So they come to him and they bring him a coin and they say, all right, Caesar says we owe taxes. It's April 18th now. April 18th, should we pay our taxes? And so Jesus says in Matthew 22 and verse 18, knowing their evil intent, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying taxes. So they brought him a denarius, tiny coin. It'd be like just a little bit of money. And he asked them, whose image is on this? Whose inscription is on this? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said, so give it back to Caesar. It's Caesar's. And give to God what is God's. And then it says, when they heard this, they were amazed So they left him and went away. And so all of you could kind of quote probably the old King Jimmy version of that. It says, render unto Caesar. Yeah, you've heard that. That's a very familiar passage. But why did they walk away amazed? I I think it's because of this. Jesus has the coin. And he says, "Whose, whose image is on this? Caesar's? Okay. And he hands him the coin. So give to Caesar what's Caesar's. But then just imagine that his finger extends and he just taps him on the heart. And he says, but give to God what is God's. You see, the Bible says in the very first chapter, God created man in what? His image. So Caesar's image or our president's images may be on our currency. But you... Oh, whoever you are, wherever you were born, whatever your life situation, you were created in the image of God. You are his image bearer. We call that the Imago Dei. You have God's image on you. And Jesus was saying, you are in God's image. So give you to God. That's the issue 
The issue isn't who's in the state house or who's in the white house or who's in the palace. The issue is whether or not you've given you to God. That's why in chapter 12 and verse 1, Paul would say, Do you not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and His perfect and His pleasing will. You can't live Romans You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Weekday mornings at 9, here on Faith Talk Tampa.